Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. It's good to be here with you in the house and we love those who are worshiping with us. A lot of worshiping community that worship with us online at this service. Uh, We're glad that you're here too. We know that you're one with us. We're united in the spirit. We're one church and continuing forward and and we can feel that God has brought us together. And I hope you caught, um, next weekend is a big weekend, lots of stuff. Uh, pretty big stuff going on. 6.30 Friday night is a citywide worship night that we're hosting this year with Cause I Love You. This is one of the best worship services of the year, people, I'm telling you. And uh, it'll be on Friday night, 6.30, and uh, we'll have communion. If you wanna be part of the choir, if you've never been part of a choir before, uh, you can jump in. Uh, Matt Holtzman's in charge of that. I, I know a guy who knows a guy. We'll slip you in there. And, uh, but it's a fun, fun service to be a part of. Saturday, going out on on projects to love our city in the name of Jesus, and, and then Sunday coming together for World Communion Sunday and worshiping big and celebrating all that God has done. So um, make next, next weekend a big part of your plans. Today we're continuing in our series, Belong, and we're taking a look here at why does God care about belonging? Like, why are we spending so much time on this? Why is this, why is this such an, a point of emphasis? And we're going to learn that it's actually part of God's own character, to call people into community. So we're gonna look at Acts chapter one, verses one to eight. So as you open your Bibles or turn them on and get there to Acts chapter one, uh, verses one through eight, that's what we're gonna teach on this morning. So get that in front of you and let's open our hearts to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we're looking at these words, ink on paper. We could stare at them for 100 years and not get a thing out of them, Jesus. But if you would, in your mercy, if you would send your Holy Spirit, if you would send it to us, come to us in such a way that that our minds light up and our hearts open up, then Lord, we have hope that we could actually hear your voice, your living voice, your word of authority in life. We could hear it in such a powerful way that we step towards you in grace and in love. That's what we pray for. Help us in Jesus' name. The church said, amen. Amen. Acts chapter one. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is God's word. We're grateful, amen? So we wanna talk about divine community today. 
divine community. We as a church, we're launching an attack against the loneliness epidemic. Long before there was a global pandemic, there was a loneliness epidemic. And did you know that life expectancy in the U.S. actually dropped for the first time in decades? And it wasn't due, this was pre-COVID, it wasn't due to a virus, it was due to what they call the deaths of despair, suicide, addiction, drug abuse. These, th these places where people were getting so alone that they were coming to a place of, of end early in their lives. We want to fight against that. We want to bring people into true belonging. We want to stand up and say, alone is no good, Jesus invites you to belong. And along the way, I've already gotten all kinds of stories from people about how they're changing their lives, how God is changing their lives as we talk about this theme. I told you a few weeks ago about my niece who sent me her text about taking her laundry across the hall, uh, across the street to her neighbor and how that changed things for, for all of them. Well, I keep getting stories like that. After I told that laundry story, I keep getting laundry stories. <laughs> like, yeah, my washer broke. I, I mean, there, I, there's a lot of dirty laundry in this church, and, and it's been coming my way. You know, there's stories of uh, wet bread sheets going up and, down the, up and down the street. Here I come, dry my sheets. You know, here comes First Pres. Um, it's awesome. I love it. But I got another story from a guy who has a golf group, and he said... Um, he said, Pastor Tim, we have this golf group and every time we golf together on Mondays, as soon as we're done, we split. I mean, we hop in our cars, we go. But I, listening to your sermon the day before, I thought, let me just linger and see if, if there's a conversation to be had. And he started up a conversation with one of these guys. And you know what? They sat down, they talked for an hour and a half. And the conversation went deep really fast. It went to tears. And they said to each other, this is good, let's not lose this. So they, they said, let's do something. Let's invite the rest of the group. Let's invite all our wives. We'll have dinner tonight at my place. They did that. They invited everybody. And you know what happened, church? They all came. Another woman wrote me and she said, Pastor Tim, I'm living in a new, um, a new apartment complex and I don't know any of the people who live here. So when I need something, when I have a favor to ask, I actually ask my, my known friends to come and do that favor for me because uh, I don't know the people that I live with here and even though it's really inconvenient for them, I ask my known friends. But after your sermon series and listening, and I thought, what if I just go across the, the hallway in my apartment complex without a bucket and just see what happens. So she went and knocked on her neighbor's door. She invited her into her house. They had tea together. And after a while, you know, after she got comfortable, she dropped the big ask on her. The hook, right? The big ask. Do you know what it was? Would you water my plants while I'm away? <laughs> That's what she was nervous about asking about. And her neighbor's like, of course I'd water your plants. I'd love to water your plants. I'd love to do that. And then they sat together and they became friends and she found a way to help her out. And a little relationship began. Another guy wrote me and said, Pastor Tim, I've been lonely for a long time. And, and, and during this sermon series, uh, I just decided I'm gonna do it. I put a new profile for myself out on a dating match app. Like, all right, man, you go for it, you know? Get out there. Because alone is no good. We need to find true belonging. So we're learning these, these dance steps. We want to learn this pattern, the same pattern, you know, because we want to learn how to draw people out of loneliness and into belonging. So that same pattern, number one, alone. Know where you're alone. Where are you feeling alone? 
Put your finger on it. Name it. Recognize it. Do you feel alone at school? Do you feel alone at work? Do you feel alone in your, in your family? Do you feel alone among your friends? Put your finger on it. Name it. This is where I feel alone. Number two, risk being known. Is there a, a, play, a way where you can step forward or you can step out or you can step toward somebody else? You can drop your mask a little bit and let them know who you are on a deeper level. Number three, be open to God. Why? Because church, no amount of friendship, no amount of community, no amount of, of happy society is going to fill the need that's in your soul. You're going to need the living water of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ for that. So you need to open your heart to God. And then number four, when you're on a new footing, you can be open to others in a new way. You can step towards others and begin or, or renew relationships that you've got in your life and start on a whole new footing in a whole new landscape. We want to move out of alone and into true belonging and community. We want to, we want to help people. We want to be, as our city emerges from this pandemic, what if we're a church that's actually ambassadors of belonging? Okay, you don't have to be alone. And we want to, we want to do this, but why? I mean, is it just because loneliness is bad and belonging is good? Is that why we're doing this? Loneliness is bad and belonging is good. But church, we have more to say than that. Because we believe and we proclaim that God is invested, that God cares about bringing people out of loneliness and into belonging. God is invested on this. In fact, I remember a line from a, a book that Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote where he simply said, Satan wants to get you alone. Satan wants to get you alone. God wants to pull you into true belonging. And what we learn is that it's part of God's character. It's actually who God is. God cares about community because God is community. God is Trinity. He's a community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God, all in a divine community of perfect love. That's who God is. And if God is community, that means the fabric of the universe is community. God is at the center of all that is, made all that is. And if the Trinity is at the core of all that is, then as, as James Bryan Smith said, the fabric of the universe is Trinitarian. The foundation of things is a God and community. Folks, that changes who we are. That changes what we're about. It changes what we do and why. So that's what we want to look at today, the divine community, the Holy Trinity. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. What is Acts? Acts is uh, the continuation of the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke part two. Did you know that? He's back. Yeah, okay. Luke part two. He's back, and he is on the move. And it's the birth of the church. Sometimes Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles in our scriptures. But you know what? The apostles are not the main character of the book of Acts. The main character of the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit unleashed, loosed across the landscape of this world, building up a church and sending it out on mission to the glory of God. Let's look at this, verse one. In my former book, Theophilus, that's the Gospel of Luke, I wrote, all of, uh, I wrote about all that Jesus, all that Jesus, what's that word? Began. 
I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So the former book is the Gospel of Luke, and Luke says, look, I wrote that book because that's, I wanted to write about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And when I came to the end of that book, that wasn't the end. You see, it begins to sound like that's just the beginning. That's just the start. That's just the kickoff. And God's going to be doing a lot more. So the Gospel of Luke was about what Jesus started to do until the day he was taken up into heaven. And when was he taken up into heaven? He was taken up into heaven after the training, after the instruction, after giving instructions. And it says, through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So in verse 1, I want you to see this, we get Jesus. And by verse 2, we get the Holy Spirit. And actually in the text, in your Bible, this is still the very first sentence of the whole book. And you have Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, just running through now. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. That he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. After his suffering, says Luke. What's his suffering? Well, this is his week of passion where Jesus went to Jerusalem, where he was wrongly accused, where he was betrayed, where he was arrested, unjustly tried, where he was beaten, whipped, and marched through the streets of Jerusalem, where he was crucified, hung on a cross. All Luke has to say is his suffering. And everybody is picturing all of that. But he says after his suffering, he appeared. And I love this turn of phrase. He says, with many convincing proofs, he showed them that he was alive. Now, Luke's a doctor. What, what are these many convincing proofs that Jesus did? We know of a few of them, right? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do to prove that he was alive? Anybody? He ate. Yeah, he ate and drank. He ate fish and he drank in front of them. I mean, fine. What What else? He said, you can touch my, uh, my wounds. He invited them to touch his body. Okay, that's two things. He breathed. He breathed on them. But, you know, eating, drinking, breathing, touching my... I mean, Luke says many convincing proofs. I just wonder what that was. Like, I want a list. Like, I wish I was there to see what Jesus did to prove that he was alive every day to his disciples. No, I'm really alive. I'm really here. Look, watch this. What was it? I just want to know what it was. Like, what did he do? Many, I I don't know. It's just me. But many convincing proofs, you know. And over 40 days, every day, he taught them. After he convinced them, no, I'm really alive. I I dropped a bowling ball on his toe or whatever. He says, okay, now sit down, let's talk. And what did he teach them about? He taught them about the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Church, what's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is where God is the king. It's where God's ways are the ways, where God's rules are the rules, and there's no confusion about authority. God is in charge. Now, is the kingdom of God already here? Yes. Is the kingdom of God still yet to come? Yes. It's already here and it's on the way. 
And right now you can experience the kingdom of God in as much as you submit your life to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord in every aspect and you experience in your heart what it means for God to be the king. The kingdom of God is where God is the king. But there's another kingdom coming that is on the way when everything's gonna be set right, when there's gonna be peace, when there's gonna be restoration, when everything that's wrong is put back together. That's the beautiful kingdom of God that is coming. And we as a church, until that comes, our mission is to long for that, to pray for that, to prepare for that, even to work for that as it's coming. Amen? So just running down here, we're just understanding. He's preparing for the kingdom. Verse four and five, on one occasion while he was eating with them, said, look, I'm really alive. Look, I'll eat this. What did he, maybe he ate like a hot pepper. I don't know. And he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. My who? My father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with uh, what? Holy Spirit, thank you. And what do they think, the disciples? Well, they immediately, if you follow down the page, they immediately ask him, ooh, does this mean we're gonna win the next election? Like that's where their brain is. Like, does this mean, oh, when are you going to kick out Rome and we get to take over the government? When do our people get to control the government? Wouldn't that be wonderful? And Jesus is thinking, oh, my goodness, you're thinking so small, so small. It doesn't matter who runs the capital. It matters who runs your heart. It matters who runs your life. It matters where your soul is rooted, not where your political powers are rooted. So Jesus, he said, okay, let's draw back, start again. Verse 8. We get verse 8 now. And verse eight, church, this is big stuff. This is the key verse for missions, partnerships, for global engagement. It's, it is for us. It's like the church, it's the verse that we keep returning to whenever we're asking questions about our global engagement relationships. It's the, the verse that churches look to to understand the meaning of being the church in this world. It's huge. This verse, Acts chapter one, verse eight, it's as big as the Great Commission at the end of Matthew. So let's read this together, church. Let's recite this together. You at home, you better be awake. You better be reading this together where you are, worshiping with us online. Verse eight, let's read it together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says you, you who feel weak, you who feel powerless, he's talking to the disciples. You who, all your plans were broken off at the end. No, you, you're gonna receive power from the Holy Spirit and you're gonna be my witnesses. And not just in this city, but in this region and in this world. When people look to you, they're gonna see me. When people ask you questions, you're gonna tell them the stories of the victories of Jesus. You're gonna be my witnesses and people are gonna know that I am God because you are in their presence telling them about me. You're gonna be that. You're gonna do that. And by the way, you're not just gonna stop when you hit the, the edge of the city. It's gonna change the region. It's gonna change the nation. It's gonna change the world all the way to the ends of the earth. Which, which for us, at first press, ends of the earth, we read Mongolia. Because we've got a partnership in Mongolia and just kind of think, well, what's the ends of the earth? It's, I guess Mongolia, you know? Let's go out there. Let's see what's going on. 
And we got a great partnership at Mongolia and it feels like the end of the earth. But the funny thing is, is how um, the Christianity at the ends of the earth is also becoming the center of Christianity. And uh, anyway, but here's the point. Here's the point. To be a follower of Jesus, to be a believer in Jesus Christ is to be sent out under the power of the Holy Spirit to bear witness to who he is, his love and grace. It's to be on mission. It's the mission of the church. But what I want you to see is this. I want you to see the Trinity in this passage, Acts chapter one. Did you catch it? The Trinity is emerging. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're all playing, they're all playing together. They're all pulling in the same direction. And for us, you know, even if you're not a believer today, you've been around Christianity so much, we all have, that we're used to this idea that God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, that's God. We're used to that. But for the first readers of this, for the first hearers of this, as Jesus was talking this way, this would have been coming at them like wave after wave. Like, what are you talking about? The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? I mean, Luke said, look, I wrote what I did to tell you about Jesus. Okay, Jesus and to tell you about what he did until he gave instructions through the Holy Spirit. Like what, what's the Holy Spirit in verse two? And then by the time you get to verse four, it's saying again, well, you gotta wait for the gift that comes from the Father. And they're just thinking, what is this? How do I understand Father, Son, Holy Spirit? And so they just get confused and they're asking about dates and timing and I wanna make sure I have it on my calendar when the, you know, when the elections come in and all that. He says, hold on, verse seven and eight, look at this. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the who? Father has set by his own authority, his own authority. But you will receive power when the who? Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my." Witnesses, that's the son, that's Jesus, that's him talking. When you go out in the name of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit, you belong to me, you're my witnesses. You're witnessing to Jesus. That's Father, that's Spirit, that's Son in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is a trinity, a trinity of of divine community And the mission that we're sent out on, church, we are sent out on from and for the Trinity. The Trinity. What I want you to get, church, is that this this matters. It matters what you believe is at the core of the universe. It matters what you believe is up under your life sustaining you. It matters. It makes a difference to who you are. You know, sometimes I feel like the best gift I can give you as a preacher, as I, as I love you, as I want to care for your souls, sometimes the best gift I can give you is simply to ask, or to get you to ask, what's up underneath that? What's down at the foundations? What's underneath your sense of fear? What's underneath your, your addictive behavior? What's down underneath that reactivity? Because friends, if you believe that down at the core is emptiness, if you believe that this life in this universe is a cosmic accident, 
that we're just spinning through time and space and there's nothing to hold us together, then you will walk in fear because you know that in a minute, everything that you love, everything that you fought for, everything you've sacrificed for, it can all be taken away from you in an instant. But if you believe that under everything is a God of love who sustains your life, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who are in a divine community of eternal love and draw you into that love and hold up your life, well, then you can lose everything above that surface. You can lose everything that's above it and you will have lost nothing. Because God holds your life. I remember a story of, a, of a, I was watching a news story of a guy whose house had, blown away in a tornado, and, um, and the, the reporter was trying to get him to cry about it. Like, I, I got you on live. I'm going to get some tears. I'm, I'm getting some tears out of you. And the guy was just not having it. Like, he was just not having it. He was actually kind of laughing and stuff. And, and she was like, isn't this horrible? Look, y- your house is blown away. And he was like, yeah, look at that. I mean, that baby is gone. <laughs> there is nothing. That has gone out of here. And she's like, yes, I well, yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? I mean, you've lost everything. You've lost your family, your life. Everything's gone. Look at this, it's gone. And he's like, I'm, no. I mean, that's not my family. My family's fine. That's not my life. That's not my life. Oh, he said, God is good. Sometimes you just got to laugh, you know? And she was so frustrated. She was going to whack him in the face with that microphone, right? <clears throat> you know? No, it's horrible. You got to cry. Please cry. This is supposed to, you're supposed to, I'm not going to get a Pulitzer for this, you know? But he knew something that she didn't. His life was sustained by a loving God. His life was held. His life wasn't about wood and wind. It wasn't about a tornado. His whole life belonged to God and he was safe and he was secure and he was at peace and he could lose everything and have lost nothing. Do you get that? Our mission, church, is to go out under the power of the Holy Spirit and invite everyone that we can into that divine love, into a community of divine and perfect love, into that basis of life where we are sustained and held up and we are at peace and we enter into eternal life with God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because he invites us in. God is a trinity and he is complete and perfect in his love. He doesn't need us to join in relationship with him, but here's the thing, he loves for us to join in relationship with him. He loves to share his love and he glories to share his glory. And so he invites you to come in, come into this circle of perfect peace, of a community of divine and perfect love. And by his Holy Spirit, he invites you into that. He invites you in. And it's not a place that you win by your merits or by your performance. It's a place that has been won for you by Jesus Christ as he has come and he has died for you and he rose again from the grave so that you can come into the community of divine and perfect love. Jonathan Edwards did a teaching about the Trinity where he said, even the glory of God is Trinitarian. The glory of God. Because God's glory is inherent and it is on display and it is received. 
It's inherent because God's glory is who God is at his core. It's inherent. And then it's on display because it's on display in the Son, Jesus Christ. But then it's received as the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you actually understand and you actually find communion with, you find relationship with God. You've got to pray for the Holy Spirit of God to enter your life and to pull you into his love. And God's Trinity, it wraps itself around you and you're safe. You don't have to live in fear. You've been brought into a community of divine and perfect love. Church, our mission, our mission, our mission is to go out and share that glory and that love with all who would receive it, to go out and share. See, God doesn't need us to enter into that relationship, but he loves us to because he loves to share good things. It's like the other night, the moon was coming up and it was that bright orange moon. Did anybody catch that? And I saw this thing coming up and all of a sudden I'm calling through the house. Everybody out, come on, let's go. Let's get out on the deck. Ah, dad, I'm in my socks. Come on. You gotta see this. It's awesome. Isn't that awesome? That's how God feels about his love. That's how God feels about his glory. He invites you into it. You gotta see this. You gotta know this. It doesn't end with us. There are still more out there. There are still those who need to come into the community of love. And our mission church is to invite all and to draw them forward, to remove barriers that those around us can feel the love of Jesus Christ and know his grace. The mission of the church is not to expand the church for the sake of the church. The mission of the church is to expand the love of God for the sake of the world that is lost and dying. That's our mission. Do you find your home in the community of divine and perfect love? In 1410, there was a guy named Rublev who was asked to paint an icon, a, a painting of the Holy Trinity. And it's called Rublev's Icon of the Holy Trinity. You know, hey, paint the Trinity for me, Rublev. Like, well, how do you do that? You know, how am I gonna paint the Trinity? Well, you don't. But what you can do is create an artistic moment that kind of gives you an experience. You can't see the Trinity, but maybe you can experience something as you think about this painting. And what he painted was a moment in Genesis 18 when three angels sat down at table with Abraham and Sarah. It's a moment in scripture that Christians believe is an embodiment of the Holy Trinity, a foreshadowing of what we would come to learn and know about God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But this painting... It's got a a mystery to it. It's got a mystery to it because down at the bottom of it, there's this rectangle there and it's this place where the painting's unfinished. It it wasn't finished. And in fact, in a period of restoration, they found that within that, that little square, there was glue residue that was on the canvas. I thought, what is this? It was originally painted for a small chapel outside of Moscow. When that, when that chapel burned to the ground, they saved the painting. And for hundreds of years, they kept it high up, high away. We don't want anybody to touch this thing. We gotta save it, you know? But as people studied that and they were restoring it, they asked, what is this? What is this place? What is this square with this glue residue? You know, because when you hang it in the right spot, you actually come to eye level with that little place on the painting. And somebody finally proposed, what if Rublev did what no iconographer had ever done before, what no iconographer ever did 
sense. What if the glue on that canvas was to hold a mirror? A mirror. And when you walk up, it's your face you see. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, a divine community of perfect love and the place that's open at the table is for you and the face that is seen there with them is your face and he invites you in and you don't have to live in fear of all that you may lose you don't have to live in anxiety of all that may turn the wrong direction your life is secure you have a place at the table You've been adopted into the family of God. And that place has been won for you. You didn't earn it. You didn't gain it. You didn't prove your way toward it. If you had, it could be ripped away from you. It's Jesus who won it for you. It's Jesus who purchased it for you. When he gave his body and his blood to pay for your sins, when he rose again from the dead to open the gates of eternal life for all who would call on his name, when you are in Christ, when you call on Jesus Christ, that's your place at the table. He's won it for you and he draws you toward it. And you're not alone. You're not isolated. You're not lonesome. You'll never alone again. You're in community, in true community, at home in the family of God. He has named you your chi- his child, his daughter, his son. He has named you and he has drawn you into the table. You're never alone again. Out of alone, into true belonging, you're home. Lord Jesus, here's your church, your children. And here we are, Lord, looking for your mercy. Lord, at times your glory has seemed too high for us. The things of God have seemed too lofty. We look up and can't understand. But you've come down, Jesus. You've come down to eye level. You've come down to every one of us and made a place for us. We thank you that beyond all reason, beyond all rational thought, because of what you've done, because of your love and mercy and grace, We belong, and we're at home with you. May it be so for everyone who's worshiping with us today, for everyone in the sound of my voice. Right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, move into their heart, move into their life, open their mind, open their heart, that they can know that their soul is captured in your love, that they have a place of belonging, that there is no more fear, there is no more isolation, there is no more alone. There's only life in you, life eternal, and you can lose everything and have lost nothing because Jesus Christ has captured your heart. May it be so, Jesus. May it be so. And may it be so in such a passionate fire in each of our hearts that we long to share it with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprescos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T. P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.